Want to know what the best gift is for the holidays? For anyone? It is an orgasm. Can you agree? (laughs) And it's an orgasm given to you by Sweet Vibrations. I know you've heard us talk about Sweet Vibrations a lot before, but it's because we're fanatics about it. They come in all kinds of awesome colors. And if somebody finds it in your drawer, you're not going to have to freak out about it because they're cute. They're pretty. They're under $50. They come with a lifetime warranty and they're going to get you to that. Oh, we absolutely love them. I know that you will love them and you can get a discount when you use the code wild love. So happy holidays. On this very special episode of True Sex and Wild Love, I am missing my co-host, Dr. Wednesday Martin, but I have a guest co-host for you today, Aubrey Marcus, and we sit down with a really good friend of ours, Maria Teresa Chavez. She's a modern medicine woman. She used to run the therapeutic department at Crossroads in Mexico, which is an iboga clinic, and she specializes in working with women and individuals suffering from depression, anxiety, PTSD, and addiction. We talk all about how plant medicine ceremonies work. We talk about how these can benefit people who are suffering from depression and anxiety and PTSD. We also talk about the intersection of sexuality and plant medicines. Do your preferences change over time? Does it only enhance your sexual preferences? We also dive into self-love and how that can really transform your world and what you do in the bedroom. So much is covered in this episode. We get really deep and we also have a whole lot of laughs because we find out that Aubrey's new nickname is Edward Dildo Hands. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Much love. I am the first and the last. I am the she who is honored and she who is scorned. I am the whore and the holy woman. I am the wife and the virgin. I am the bride and the bridegroom. I am she, the Lord. Wow. Hmm. So that's something that you posted on your Instagram within the past couple of days. And I feel like that really does a good job of encompassing all that we are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That actually, I am going to show the book here. This comes from a sister of ours, actually. Megan Watson wrote a book about Mary Magdalene Revealed. It's uh, entitled The The First Apostle, Her Feminist Gospel, and the Christianity We Haven't Tried Yet, which I think is really interesting and really edgy in a lot of ways. And we can talk about that later. But um, the whole point is there's the voice of the feminine that has just been totally erased from so many texts over the last X amount of many, many years, millennia, and it's a resurgence. This time right now is this resurgence of the voice of the feminine. So I felt really um, impactful to share that, right, as you had asked me to come and talk about the intersection between plant medicine, divine feminine, and sexuality. Yes, Mm -hmm. so many big topics. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting because I feel like, like you said, there's like this resurgence of of writing that involves the divine feminine, Mm. but also just like women in general feeling empowered and Mm. open to really stand in their truth. And I know that that's a lot of the work that you've done Mm. with women and couples Mm. and individuals through Mm. plant medicine. Mm. Can you kind of take us through how you got into that whole world? Because it's not something you hear very often. (laughs) Mm. That's a great question. Thank you. Um, It's a long story, but I'll make it a shorter one for for these purposes. Um, It definitely all began for me in my early years of a lot of this desire to be perfect. I really had equated from a young age that in order to receive the attention, which equaled to me love that I wanted from my dad and from my, you know, my parents, my older brother, 
I would get their attention by being beautiful, by having all the awards, by getting the best grades in school, et cetera, et cetera. And so from just such an early age, the, the need to be something that I wasn't was, was very harmful to my psyche and to my well-being. And so I entered into the spirit, the world of spirituality before I ever touched a plant medicine. I was sitting in Lakota sweat lodges when I was a teenager. I was going to Buddhist temples and I was spending a lot of time just very immersed in nature, mindfulness meditation. And then it, through the exploration of the plant medicines, which allowed me to really access a part of my psyche that I hadn't been able to access before, I started to see the kind of inverse correlation of that, that so much of my pain had come from denying who I was. And this path helped me to discover more of who I actually was, mm -hmm. you know, not the stories of the ego and, and society and all of that, but divinity, which is a big deal. Big deal. <laughs> Perhaps the biggest deal. The biggest deal, I think. Yeah, because that's the that's the story of the world. Yeah. The story that you're sharing is not mm -hmm. a personal story. It's yeah. the story of our time. Mm -hmm. Hopefully not the story of all times, mm -hmm. but the story of our time mm -hmm. now. And I think one of the great reasons why we're here to help shift that, you know, to help let people know, like, no, no, you're enough. Mm -hmm. You can still strive for more, but you're enough. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. And the the beauty of this particular work and getting to work one-on-one -on -one so intimately with so many different people is truly the ability to just reflect back to them their perfection, no matter what, you know, no matter what kind of trauma they've been through, no matter what kind of trespasses they themselves have done, no matter what they believe to be true about themselves, to be able to hold that space for them, that they, it's, it's all perfect. They're really doing the best they, they can. And, um, it's profound. It's, the reason that this is the work of my life. Yeah. And so describe, because I think some of our listeners are pretty, mm -hmm. you know, um, in the know when it comes to plant medicine and spirituality, but still at the same time, it's a very still taboo in a way and a topic that not a lot of people are out there talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I've done multiple plant medicine ceremonies and it's, it's been one of the most transformative experiences of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what was your first plant medicine ceremony journey? Mm, that's a great question. And it's been a really long time. I'm going to be really honest that I've done so many. And I started in such a deep way, in, like immediately. It's kind of hard to describe, but I hadn't had wanted to do any psychedelics in my earlier years because of so much history with depression and anxiety and eating disorders and everyone telling me that I was unstable. You know, the last thing I wanted to do was get in there and start messing around with my psyche. Mm -hmm. And so I was really kind of a no to that for so long. And then the moment that I opened, it was like the floodgates opened, you know, and I went so deep into so many initiations right away. I want to say that my first ever was actually combo, which is the, okay. um, yeah, which is the frog, uh, venom, which is not technically a psychedelic, but it is a very, very, very powerful indigenous medicine from the Amazon where we burn the skin and then apply the venom of the, the, um, uh, frog, which is the Philomedusa bicolor from the Amazon. And then it causes you to do really intense purging and, you know, you want to do three of those within a month cycle to really get the benefits of like physiologically wringing out different layers of your organs. Um, but back then you couldn't find... <laughs> that does I not sound fun at all. I mean, I like I get it and I understand it. I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, I can understand the purge and I bet I would feel good after that. But fuck 
that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have a similar experience. You know, there's yeah. medicine is an interesting thing because every single medicine at a certain dose mm. becomes poison. Mm-hmm. And my first and only experience with combo yeah. was at a dose that was poison for me. Yeah. Like went into anaphylactic shock, had yeah. a had a veterinarian who almost had to do a field tracheotomy because I was breathing through the size of a straw. Yeah. My face all swelled up, my lips swelled, my, mm-hmm. my eyes swelled shut. And it was almost at the point where I couldn't get oxygen. And this wasn't from a panic state. Yeah. You know, like it was literally that my throat was closing, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that comes from you know, the the shaman at the time, they knew that I was a psychedelic, a psychonaut, mm-hmm. if you wanted to put that in quotes. And they're like, well, let's give him the full biggest dose possible. Mm-hmm. So he experiences the medicine to the fullest, not recognizing that, you know, really when you're talking about any of these medicines, minimum effective dose yes. is always the rule. And I think that's something from just being aware of your practice and in all the years that you were able to do that in Mexico and all the people that I've talked to who you've worked mm-hmm. with including you know whitney herself Mm -hmm. you know when you guys were able to meet up Mm -hmm. and do that like that that idea of this is not about the heroic Mm -hmm. most medicine you can possibly do this is about like what's just enough Mm -hmm. to get you to the place that you're going for yes yeah that's the beauty of i really come at this from a therapeutic angle even though i'm not a licensed therapist you know i had the opportunity to run the therapeutic department at a clinic in mexico for a good good while and crossroads is no longer open any longer but i will gain clinic down in tijuana um and and really honing the methodology in that environment that the goal was for people to be better you know the goal was for people to see a change in their lives. The goal was like, okay, we have a short amount of time with people. They were with us for a week. Was how much of a, a change can I support these humans to have, you know, in this tiny little window? And they were doing one ibogaine and one 5-MeO-DMT, which was from the natural source, the Bufo. And with one Bufo session, I was like, okay, there's so much we can do, but it really takes, it's about the, it's so much about the before, you know, and it's so much about the after. The experience itself is really just to shake up the the snow globe of the psyche enough so we can start to see things from a little bit of a new angle. And that is where the magic is. It doesn't mean that we have to sledgehammer your psyche into 12 (laughs) gajillion pieces every single time for you to have breakthroughs. And so by working through the subtleties, which, which ties in you know, the divine feminine here, I serve medicine in a very feminine way, which is like, let's see how much we can get you to bloom and open on your own accord in conjunction with the medicine instead of meeting somebody, having no dialogue with them, feeling their restrictions and then tailoring like, well, I guess I'll have to give them more medicine because they're really tight, you know? Well, how about we talk to the person for a little bit? You know, how about we find out a little bit about their life and their childhood and what's blocking them and what's really like the root of 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 the thing and start to tease that in a way, like start to really help them to already have insights and breakthroughs before we even touch the medicine. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, they say it's psychic surgery, right? And so like if you go in without any knowledge of the person or what's been going on or where their blockages are, how are you really supposed to facilitate the best healing. Yeah. I mean, I know the plants do it on its own. You know, you get what you need, not what you want from the medicine, but it's still like having, having someone who can really gracefully guide you through that is hugely important. Cause I've had both sides. I've had a side where 
I got a very poisonous um, mm. uh, dose as well. Mm-hmm. And then I've had the side where mm-hmm. we've worked together mm-hmm. and it was just pure like, I got you. Mm-hmm. I got you. Don't worry. You don't have to do more if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. minimum effective dose. And minimum effective dose for me is like perfect. Like mm-hmm. I don't need any more. <laughs> just give me a little little sniff, a little walk by. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's the point too. Is it's a it's the subtleties because it's a frequency, mm-hmm. you know. And once you're attuned to that frequency, you don't need a ton of medicine to get there. And the beauty of being that person to support people in a particular way is, you know, I'm still, I don't get it twisted. The you're doing the work, you know. The medicine's doing the work. I'm just supporting to make sure that the environment is as kind of perfect as it can be to potentiate that. And so we get to all kind of do this dance together where I'm supporting the person to be fully empowered, you know, fully sovereign, because I'm not fixing anything for you. The medicine's not fixing anything for you. It's just supporting you to have a different conversation than you've been having. And what happens, I know you've been diving really deep into Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, right? Of like how deeply wired our minds get and you're just having the same conversation with yourself all the time mm-hmm. about the same topics you know and you're not you're wondering why you're not getting anywhere because actually it's like you really are that little hamster on the hamster wheel without new input and so you know in the right environment it doesn't take a lot the medicine gets to come in as the messenger as the one that's supporting you with the conversation between you your higher self and whatever you believe runs this whole thing and, and so much magic can happen with just a little bit of medicine. You know, not to negate that sometimes the really big doses have their purpose 100%. I have done some of the craziest initiations in yeah, my life. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear some like <laughs> one of the craziest initiations you've done. Well, again, I mean, even just talking about combo, which I will share, there's, there's always two sides to every coin, right? There are some people that are like, don't do that. (laughs) Don't burn yourself and put poisonous frog on there. That's a bad idea. (laughs) Right. Some people are going to tell you like, why are we doing some of these things? They're poisons for a reason. Um, But the whole point of listening is that we know when something is calling us and we know if it's going to be supportive for us or not. Mm -hmm. So I kind of to finish that story with the combo, for example, back in the day, now there's something called the IAKP, which is, you know, training facilitators all over the world. You can find combo practitioners online in the U.S. because it's totally legal and they're just everywhere. But 10 years ago, there was there was no IAKP. There was no, you know, online searches for combo uh, practitioners. We had to either either went to the jungle or you waited for somebody to come here from there. And so my first um, encounter was with a little woman from Colombia named Carolina, teeny tiny woman. And she was only going to be in the area for four days. And to get your three, okay, well, I need to do them every day, three in three days. And then the last day she was serving this crazy horse style sweat lodge, which to this day is the hottest sweat lodge I've ever it's sat in. And I've what? Done. Sweat lodge? It's a crazy horse. So oh, crazy horse. Yeah. Yeah. Style sweat lodge. So it was just that it was the hottest sweat lodge I've ever Full Again, warrior energy. Full warrior, fully naked, like on top of the fire. You know, I literally, when I got out of that sweat lodge, I when I looked in the mirror, I was 100% sure that I was going to have blisters from my skin being burned because Whoa. it was that hot. Um, so doing the three in three days and same, I mean, she had just come from the jungle down there. They're not, you know, they're not necessarily serving in this soft feminine way. They're like, we want to make sure you're strong enough for the tribe. You know? And mm-hmm. if you don't make it, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe mm-hmm. we were better. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna <laughs> maybe not say that for all Slightly the Slightly Darwinian. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Yeah. So she was just going for it. She was gouging people, huge dots, tons of medicine, water falling people one after the other. You know, there weren't enough bathrooms. People were passing out, shitting in their pants, you know, just mayhem. A, a, Mayhem, like apocalypse. You know, it was just so, and for three days. So you can imagine every night I was sleeping like, oh my God, how am I going to do this again tomorrow? (laughs) This is my first kind of right out the bat, uh, right out of the gate. Wow. And, you know, just, I've just taken a lot, a lot of medicine in a lot of different, very, you know, in the site where the medicine comes from. For example, if you go to the jungle, if you're drinking ayahuasca anywhere around the world, you oftentimes are drinking medicine that comes from Hawaii, which is actually, we, we say it's like, it's just really soft. It's really gentle. It's more soft and more gentle. If you are in the middle of the jungle and you're drinking pure, fresh ayahuasca, you know, in Colombia, which is yahe actually, but, or ayahuasca in the jungle, I mean, that shit is just so strong. Oh my well, God, plus yeah. the admixtures of the plants and there's different oh, types yeah. of ayahuasca oh, too. 100%. There's yellow and then there's mm-hmm. cascavel, which is named after, I think the rattlesnake or some kind of snake, which is yeah. like one of the strongest, you know, kind of most intense versions. And then what other plants? Is it just, yeah. you know, the jacruna or is it wambisa? Yeah. Is it opiaje or is it 50 more yeah. other plants that they've added in there mm-hmm. and it just keep going? I mean, it's a variety of different things. Yeah. I actually found the place where I had ayahuasca changed my Mm. experience as well. So being deep, deep, deep in the jungle in Peru um, was very intense and always has been very intense. And then I went to a place called Soltara in Costa Rica, Mm. which is right on the beach in the water. And you're Mm -hmm. in the, you're in the um, Maloca, which is where you do ceremonies. Um, And it's kind of on a point. So you can hear the waves crashing mm. on one point to the other. So it was literally surround sound mm. of ocean. And that to me, it felt really nice and soft because water is like my my mm-hmm. medicine to the max. Yeah. And so being able to, you, you were almost like held by the ocean is what mm-hmm. it felt like for me. And that was just really cool to be able to witness the difference and just the place. And of course, like set and setting, I, I think is really important for us to talk about mm-hmm. too. Um feeling safe and who the shamans are mm-hmm. within the experience will dictate <laughs> the entire ride. So much so. I mean, I think that's one of the most important things to support people with is understanding that you need to have a connection. I feel having a connection with a person that you work with is one of the most imperative kind of steps along the journey because feeling safe with somebody is, you know, trust is built and we can, somebody can have the most amazing resume. They can have lovely energy, but if you haven't really just, just even just spent a little bit of time for your system to kind of sink into that, that feeling of trust. um, I just think that is so important. And the understanding that there is a transference that happens and to keep talking about combo just for a moment, you know, there was a time that there in certain tribes, there wasn't necessarily a shaman serving that medicine. It was the hunter or the warrior that was having the bad luck or he was having bad aim would go collect the medicine and take it to the guy who he thought, okay, he's the fastest or he has the best aim will you put this medicine on me? Because there was an understanding that there was going to be a transference. Like, I want to be more like you. I want to have those skills. And so let's do this ceremony together. And I think that that's a beautiful sentiment that when you do this work, you want to work with people that, well, do you want to be more like this person? You know, do you feel again that they can really hold the full spectrum of what there is to hold? Because when we're working with, with people's psyches in this way, I mean, 
holy moly, there is a full spectrum of mm-hmm. what there is to hold. Mm-hmm. Even the harvest, to get back to some of the, the feminine nature of yeah. serving medicine, the way that you harvest something like cambo, I think I'm, I'm sure makes a huge difference. Same yeah. with bufo, right? Oh, like yeah. if these are both diff- two different types of amphibian species yeah. and in the cambo, it's more through, it's a, a little bit of a rougher harvest, particularly mm. to get the frog to expel mm. the venom because it's a protective mechanism. And I'm imagining the correct process mm. for that would be to gently ask permission the whole way and like yeah. try to encourage that animal to be like, you know, please, this is medicine. You know, yes. I know this is going to be a little uncomfortable, but this is going to serve a lot of people well. But if you just took that rough mask and the post, all right, let's harvest this thing. Yeah. Just like you would see somebody like harvesting rattlesnake venom where they're just kind of grabbing the face and smashing it into something and mm-hmm. trying to get the medicine out as much as possible. You could do the same thing milking the bufo glands as well, yeah. right? But it's not that's not the right way. That's that kind of masculine approach that we see too much in the consumption of research. It's all about the ends, not the means. You know, so however you get the medicine, it's fine. Same with even how you talk to the shamans about harvesting ayahuasca. Yeah. Like they sit and they ask the they they ask the tree, yeah. they ask the vine. Yeah. Hey, you know, we'd like to take this vine and serve it to the people, and they yeah. wait for a cord and wait for alignment, and that's mm. like a a huge feminine lesson that can come from the plants and I think has been, you know, forgotten in some ways and remembered in other ways, but the, the right way, you know, which is, I don't like saying the right way because, you know, that's a tough thing to say, but I think in this case, there clearly is the right way. Yeah. And that's always asking permission. Yeah, absolutely. And there is, you know, there's different ways as you were sharing to harvest, for example, with the combo, I only ever work with medicine, like there is the way that you see online where they string up the frog, for example. Not all the tribes do that. Mm. You can harvest it just in your hand, just like you harvest the bufo in your hand. And that can be done with such a sweet communion. You know, people will sing to the frogs and the toads are like really in this relationship with them. And there's an understanding that there's an interspecial kind of collaboration that's happening. And when we do it in a good way, I mean, this is so silly, but I just posted on Facebook. There's a little nighttime camera video somebody found of a possum picking ticks off the face of a deer. And the deer has like put its little head down in front and you just see the way that the possum's like coming up to pull the little ticks off the face. Like there's just ways that we can do things to support each other when we understand what's happening. You know, um, that's another reason with the bufo, for example, it's so important to ask how, where the medicine comes from, to ask about the sourcing, to ask how it was harvested. Because there are some people now that are harvesting just because they know, well, this is a new, really popular thing. We can make money off of it, you know, and they just go just to be extractive. And then there are people who genuinely love toads and they have their houses turn their properties into toad mm-hmm. sanctuaries mm-hmm. and they like toads have names <laughs> you, know what I mean? like, you can really do it in a good way you can even see in the medicine the way that it was harvested because if there's black spots or really dark spots it means they made the toad bleed if it's all golden and clear it means that that was done in a good way just kind of like gently popping a pimple like you can do that in, in a nice way it just takes a lot longer you know mm-hmm. and that's the point with the feminine way of doing things the feminine way of, of orgasming, right? It can take maybe a little bit longer to build if we are, if we're really giving the attention, but then that ultimate orgasm is so much better in my mind. <laughs> and, and multiple. Yeah, mm. that's right. Yeah. So when we're talking about like, you know, psychedelics in 
in bringing out the divine feminine mm. in so many of us, mm-hmm. um, remembering, remembering, are mm. we learning that part of us? What are some of like the main themes that you have found when working mm. with women specifically about when it comes to removing the layers and how psychedelics have been able to do that for them? Is it not feeling enough? Is mm. it feeling like they have to be perfect? Mm. Is it, you know, I don't know, fill in the blank, but like, what is, what is the main kind of theme Mm. that you've found by working with women? Mm. Well, there's a lot of main themes. One I will touch on is recently, well, when I say recently, probably in the last five years, (laughs) I've had so many women that they, they have blocks in their throat and the understanding that the throat chakra, you know, and the physical throat, the larynx and the yoni are so connected. And I'm sure your listeners know that when I use the word yoni, right, that's in place of vagina or vulva. It's a Sanskrit to mean the sacred place. And it just sounds a lot better <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> Yummier to say that. So the, um, the, the deep connection that happens when we have trauma in our yonis where either we were abused or even ways we've abused ourselves, just like when we've let men enter us before we were ready, the walls of our yonis hold that energy and there's a contraction that happens and there's kind of an armoring that's created. And that can be a direct correlation to your throat and your ability to speak your truth in a good way. So the working with the medicine to support women to really, you know, open their bodies in, in different, different ways that are connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so the throat chakra connection with Yoni is a huge one. The, um, of course, again, body shame, you know, so many of us, myself included, this was a huge part of my story was this obsession with magazines when I was young. I just was so obsessed with these fitness and fashion magazines. I was a competitive athlete and I was so wanting to look like something that wasn't, you know, was a manufactured <laughs> external representation mm-hmm. of what the female body looks like that it just took so many years for me to love my body exactly as it is. And being able to work with women in these ways where when you're doing these experiences or, you know, in, in these, in these journeys, you're connecting with the part of you that is so far beyond the body that the body, it almost becomes a like a non-issue for a moment. You know? Just the fact that you have a body to come back to. Right, right. <laughs> yes. It's so amazing. Like, <laughs> I'm alive. Like I have this body that my soul chose and I'm still in it. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so when you are connected with the multidimensionality of what's really going on here, your attachment to the specifics of the way the physical body just literally starts to melt away. Mm-hmm. And that's so incredible. I mean, another thing is um, supporting women with their ability to receive the fact that they feel worthy of receiving pleasure because so many of us were raised in maybe knowingly or unknowingly with a lot of religious shame kind of stuck in every corner, like in our ears and our eyes and this idea that you're a whore. And that's why I love that beautiful quote that you shared in the Mm -hmm. beginning of like every woman has that fear somewhere in her that by enjoying sex, by, uh, you know, wanting more pleasure, that she's, there's something wrong with her, mm-hmm. you know, and that she's going to be damned or, um, or rejected. And so really like throwing that out the fucking window and uh, supporting women to reconnect with their pleasure 
and the understanding that that pleasure is literally their life force. It's their God-given right and the life force that they can create with, not just creating babies. Again, we've also been very indoctrinated that your sexual energy is for orgasms and for making babies. Mm -hmm. But what about if you don't make a baby and you channel that orgasm what can you do with that? I mean, that's a whole nother world. I know you had Mia on the... Yeah, uh, kind of touching mm-hmm. on that sex magic mm-hmm. um, vibes. And I, since we just released that podcast not too long mm-hmm. ago, I was able to do a sex magic um, or, you know, pleasure see. practice with her and Layla Martin and go through the entire experience. And I never had, never really understood the, okay, how do you use your orgasmic and sexual energy to create or manifest? Mm-hmm. And... It was a really powerful experience because, I mean, I have never, like, basically sat in a circle and masturbated with other women outside of, like, an orgy or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, it was very different. Wait, you've done that inside of an orgy? <laughs> <laughs> masturbated? Just sat around with a bunch of women <laughs> and masturbated in an orgy? I mean, no, I'd love to no, hear no, this no. story. I, mean, I, I know you, I know you pretty actually. good, actually, but... <laughs> No, I guess not. But it's still like the only time that I've been pleasuring myself with another woman who can see me doing that. It's been been in a multiple person Mm -hmm. sexual experience Mm -hmm. where we're touching each other. And usually you're fucked up, you know, in my Mm -hmm. my place. Mm -hmm. But um, so this is like a very beautiful ceremony to be able to like harness that energy and watch it move through the chakras and come up with how I want to create that very, you know, deep energy into something and just not having the shame of, oh, my God, I'm touching my pussy. And she's right there touching her pussy. And Jesus, is this not okay? You know? like mm-hmm. um, So, yeah, that was, I mean, it was a very, very powerful experience for me. Yeah, these are ancient practices. I mean, if you study more of about the Dionysus times and all of the women, again, these original medicine women were um, doing a lot of rituals that we now, it seems crazy to us, um, but they were like trekking to the tops of mountains where the oxygen levels were low, taking the mushrooms and the herbs and the roots and dancing themselves into these trances with the drums. And then there were sexual rites of passage. And it was just, I don't want to say the normal, quote unquote, but it was a it was a much more understood part of culture that women would enter into these states together for a higher spiritual purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm so grateful that we're coming full circle back to a time that we understand these ancient technologies and that our bodies are these s- such brilliant technologies. Truly, I feel the. Um, the, the way that we are wired, I mean, the, the connection between the central nervous system and the spine to the soul and the all that is, I mean, it's just so, so powerful. And when you understand as well, the, the divine feminine, you know, in a lot of the, the Hindu culture, for example, they will show paintings of the goddesses dancing kind of on a corpse because the understanding that the divine feminine energy is what really infuses the 3D kind of more masculine structure with the life, Mm -hmm. the life force. And um, it's just, yeah, we could go down these rabbit holes forever of really understanding who we really are and the importance of knowing how to utilize our bodies, our minds, our spirits, and, you know, to progress. I'm a little jealous because I think if a bunch of guys just get around and they masturbate in a circle. A lot of circle jerks. People do it. Okay. <laughs> it just doesn't have the same ring to it. You know what I mean? Well, no, I'm sure you could do a sex magic 
or practice or pleasure practice in the same exact way. I mean, I, I understand the hypothetical possibility of this. I just have just a little difficulty. Women are more powerful. <laughs> in, in that way, yes. I think there's just a different, it's just a different, it's a slightly different thing. And maybe that is my own, you know, inaccessibility to the feminine nature that I have within mm. myself. But nonetheless, I just feel like it would be a bit odd if I got around my conscious men and we were in our men's journey in Sedona and we all just exactly what I thought I'm just saying I'm this is perhaps my own bias Mm -hmm. when you were describing I'm like yeah it sounds fucking amazing Hmm. like it's beautiful I get it but like I cannot put myself in a situation Hmm. where like me and Kyle and everybody's around there and we're just having at it yeah maybe it's because there's not that like like feminine connection there because even when I envision like I think it is possible I could see it being really powerful, but I envision like five guys like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like who's going to come first? Who has the bigger dick? What are we doing here? You know? So maybe this is where you can help this <laughs> like d- debate, I guess, that we're having. Like, what, are you, what is your instinct and insight into men pleasure practices versus women ple- pleasure practice? Is there a difference? Is there not a difference? I mean, I will share that when you were saying that, I'm like, oh, no, I could totally come to Sedona <laughs> help you guys because uh-huh. there are a lot of practices that the men, you need to practice on yourself before you can engage in a, in a certain level of tantric connection with the women. And it's about not ejaculating. So your ability to retain, it takes practice. And so I think men practicing together, I think that would be totally just like, this is this hour that we are doing this thing. It would definitely you require guys, a lot of rewiring it's like of a like workout, old patterns. Except a spiritual dick workout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in sounds the- about as fun as combo to me. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, I'm, I'm sure into it could the, be a I lot mean, more pleasurable. I'm certainly into the tantric practice, especially after talking to Layla on the mm-hmm. podcast that I recorded with a female partner. Mm. And maybe it's just, it just seems like it seems a little bit odd for me to just get the boys together. And be like, no, no, we're going to work on our t- our tantric retention together here, guys. <laughs> you know, like we're going to do this thing, and it just doesn't does it seems different. It seems like, man, maybe that is a manufactured thing, but maybe it maybe it is something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that across the board, women just are a little bit more of that. Um, what's the word? I mean, we love to be touchy feely with each other. You know, we have a, an innate understanding that sexuality is a spectrum. You know, we don't have any sort of, well, I don't want to say broad strokes, but the majority right. of us don't have a lot of kind of homophobia in these ways. So we just feel n- more naturally inclined to be intimate in in complete non-sexual ways. So introducing an element of sexuality then doesn't seem that far off, I think, to a lot of us. Yeah. Whereas for the men, mm-hmm. I can see where there's there's just like a slightly <laughs> longer path to, to yep, kind of ride more, more rewiring. to get yeah. there. But in the Eastern philosophies, I mean, I know a bunch, if you really study, go down into um, the tantric practices and the schools and things, you're doing all kinds. Of, it's, you're literally training. You're in a school. So, of course, you're going to be doing things all together in different ways. Men and women together in groups. Men just together. Women just together. So it's just a, a culturally um, different practices. Understood. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, when you talk about the dieta, which mm-hmm. is related particularly for ayahuasca, yeah. they recommend... Uh, abstinence from sex mm-hmm. for a couple weeks before, a couple weeks after. Mm-hmm. Do you think in your understanding of the medicine, is that patriarchal or is that practical? Or is it both? 
Gosh, I think it's both. You know, a lot of these topics are, I just already want to share a lot of these topics are super deep, right? And so there's a part of me that wants to give like a 20 minute answer for each one. But since again, we're, we're kind of broad stroking here. Um, I think that there are a lot of practical elements to that. Um, I see where it can be also, it just instills kind of an old school vibe and energy that a lot of people don't want to be a part of anymore. Right. So there's, there's this kind of new wave of our generation that's a little bit like, well, don't tell me what to do. I'm reclaiming my sexuality. Why would I need to abstain? But the understanding that when you're going to do something that's such a personal spiritual journey that you want to be in just your own energy field. You know, it's not about making sex bad and that like we, you know, we don't cut out all the bad things like the alcohol is bad and the sex is bad. You know, I don't see it that way at all. It's just, it's just understanding what's going to be more conducive to you having a more powerful experience with the medicine. So the medicine first and foremost wants to clean you up always, all the medicines. They want to clean you physically. If it's a medicine and you're digesting, that's why, you know, you go to the bathroom and you purge. It wants to clean your energy body. So the idea is the cleaner you go in before with less kind of attachments and other people's energy all kind of glommed onto yours and the less uh, intertwined you are with other people, the better for you to have a more sovereign experience with the divine. And so I think there is some practicality to that. And it's up to each person as well, right? If you're in in a very um, committed relationship and it just feels natural and you're already so psychically intertwined, you've already done a lot of, you know, work together in different ways and that doesn't feel true for you, well then don't do it. You know, it's just the understanding that the the medicines also, because they open your psyche so much, it is inherently going to bond you deeper with the person that you're being intimate with. And so if you're being intimate with somebody who you don't want to bond deeper with necessarily, you know, which does happen, right? Some mm-hmm. people are you just, you know, you're being more sexually expressed and you, you wouldn't want to have a first, a brand new lover, you know, the day before you go into an ayahuasca ceremony. I would say just because again, you don't know if you actually want to bond deeper with that person. Because who knows, you could go into that ayahuasca ceremony and all of a sudden you're seeing visions that this guy is your king. And that's actually just your own subconscious mind. That's not the medicine telling you, you need to marry this guy. Mm -hmm. This is your subconscious amplifying something that it wants to see. And so you might end up down a rabbit hole with this person that was not actually the highest and best way for the relationship to unfold. Of course, it becomes the highest and best if it happens, right? Because that's how you're learning. Awesome. Um, But again, there's just the understanding of the energetic intertwinement that happens through sex is is very strong. Mm -hmm. And then I've always found like when you're in ceremony with a significant other, and this is something that people ask me about all the time, should I go down and do Aya or some plant medicine by myself, Mm -hmm. um, particularly as a woman with my partner, or should I do it separately? Do Mm -hmm. you kind of have a rule of thought around that or it's kind of your own journey? What would you say? Yeah, I get it. So different for each person. You know, if you're somebody who has a history of codependence, for example, I do think it's a great idea to go do it by yourself because the point is to regain your sovereignty. And when we say that, it means our ability to not need to look outside of ourselves for anything, for, um, you know, for validation, for reminders that we're all the things that we look to the external for. The point of of doing the medicine is my mind. One of the points I should say is to have direct access. You know, you're directly sourcing 
again, whatever you believe in is, is running this whole thing and then directly sourcing energy and information from Pachamama, from the earth. Um, and you just in a, in a different place than, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you can have like, we got, your sound we got dog little, in here. We got, we got <laughs> a friend in there. Is a, <laughs> His name's Tony and he's a really Tony. long tongue. <laughs> And he sneezes or coughs or something. We may edit this, we may not, but I'm being distracted by a little little tiny dog. Ewok Tony. (laughs) Making some furball noise. Maybe you had to purge something, you know, maybe it's. Right at that moment. Tony, do you need doggy ayahuasca? Yeah. Dog dog ayahuasca for Tony. Yeah. My dog needs um, ayahuasca. Tony's going to go outside (laughs) for a minute, but just to finish that train of thought, if you know that it's a pattern of yours to always be looking external to, um, you know, for validation or for feeling you need to get your love and your attention elsewhere, yes, it's so powerful to do these experiences by yourself. Um, But it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be in a completely different ceremony. You could do it very traditionally. Couples, for example, don't sit next to each other. You could just sit in a different place around the circle so that you have even a little bit more spaciousness. Yeah. So there's different ways to do it. And I always share, you know, you are really the one who knows best for yourself. And a lot of people... I think that kind of, they balk a little bit when I say that because they're like, no, but you're the expert. I'm like, you are the person who knows what is right for you. That's another one of my main tenets for working with these medicines is for people to really deeply begin to trust their intuition and to kind of filter through where are their decisions coming from. But ultimately, if you want to go down because you want to bond deeper with your partner and because there's there's something, there's just a gem that you know is in there for you, awesome, go with your partner. You know, if you know you need to like regain some of your sovereignty and your own empowerment and you want to go alone, awesome, go alone. You know, it's no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a point where tradition becomes dogma, mm-hmm. you know, where there's some totally. traditional wisdom. Like there's some wisdom to not being next to somebody. Mm-hmm. There's some wisdom, but mm-hmm. that wisdom is not all encompassing mm-hmm. and it's not always right. And I think people can get dogmatic where it can become like, this is always the case and we must do it this way or else it's like hypothesizing a judgmental God that's going to say this ceremony is now fucked because (laughs) you did this thing this way, you know? And and in certain ways, like it's this delicate balance from respecting the tradition, especially when you have elders or someone from a tradition, take even the sweat lodge, the Anipi, Mm -hmm. you know, the tradition is men can be in there and they can be, we can be in our speedos if Mm -hmm. we want, like it doesn't really matter but women have to wear a longer dress, right? And so even when we're doing just with family and then an elder who's coming to provide, it's like, you know, I know Whitney can speak to it. It's like, wow, like this doesn't feel right. And I don't think it necessarily feels right for everybody else, but it's the tradition. But the tradition, I think at that point is so ingrained that the tradition wins over the practicality of the experience where everybody is family and we probably had a naked party the night before, right? So it's not like we're not, we're uncomfortable with each other's nudity, you know? So it's this interesting balance between, you know, honoring and respecting the tradition, which certainly I'm sure had wisdom, Mm -hmm. otherwise it wouldn't have been a tradition, you know, but then also having the flexibility to make sure and just test it and say, well, there is nothing that's dogma that should be dogma. Like, let's just look and Mm -hmm. see. And I think that's kind of something that you're reflecting yeah, which is which is why I do all the things the way that I do them. And I will share when I if I have an elder that I'm hosting, 
I do defer to them, right? Because there is a level of respect um, if you're asking somebody from a particular lineage, for example, you know, wearing long sleeves and long skirts is the Lakota tradition. And that's just something that they're really clear. That's very important to them. The women feel it as well. It's not just the men telling you cover yourselves. The other women are like, this is how we do things. And this is, you know, they'll tell you why they'll tell you their take on it. And the reason that they, you know, that they feel like this is how we feel is, is, the way we should show up in ceremony. And if you are choosing to be inside of a Lakota sweat lodge, then by proxy, you're saying I'm choosing to follow this, you know, these guidelines. Um, but the beauty is that we don't, we don't always have to sit in those very traditional ceremonies anymore. You know, we have the opportunities with a lot of us doing things differently. There is a beautiful intersection though, right? And that's another place is why, I actually do get a little hesitant and you know, over the last 10 years that I've been really deeply in this world, things are becoming so much more popular and it's becoming kind of cooler and way more people are serving medicines. And there is some element of it's the wild, wild west that people are just popping up and deciding I'm going to do whatever I want, however I want to do it. And of course it's everybody's sovereign choice. And I trust that all of those, you know, ceremonies are there it's its own karmic ripple wave that needs to be happening. Um, but it is really powerful to find the intersection, to really understand that the traditions have, like there is a reason. And I will share with you serving medicine. There are so many moments that I'm like, I learn in real time, like, oh my gosh, this is why we do this. Like, okay, this is why, like, this thing was about to go off the rails, but this particular technology of you do this this way, like holds the whole thing in a way that you don't understand when it just, when you just understand the theory of it, you have to be in the practice of it. Mm -hmm. So I do think that, that, you know, you always, I would say working with people that really understand the technologies of the ancient wisdom and why they're there. Like they know the rules so well that they can break them, right? That's that beautiful adage. I think that that's a really important kind of code as well, or code of uh, conduct. (laughs) I love that like you are this beautiful divine, Mm -hmm. like woman serving medicine. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like there's, I mean, maybe this is me being ignorant, but I feel like there's not very many female medicine, you know, practitioners out there. There are a lot actually. Are there? Yeah. I just haven't come in contact with them, I guess. I mean, I, I, because really I, if I could paint a sweat lodge, um, dream of mine Mm -hmm. would for it to be like woman facilitated Mm -hmm. like so women's empowerment and if we can go in there butt ass naked Mm -hmm. and scream and yell and Mm -hmm. orgasm and sweat like that to me is just oh I love that and I like Aubrey mentioned earlier it's I don't I can't do a Lakota uh sweat lodge Mm -hmm. because it drives me fucking insane Mm -hmm. that like the men can go in however they want and us women, we can't. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not deep into it, so I don't understand the mm-hmm. whole meaning behind it. And that's just me being ignorant, not really finding out. And I understand that I should go back. I should figure that out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But really for me, it's like I want that experience with somebody like you mm-hmm. and like 10, 20 other women in there mm-hmm. to feel like totally free and expressed and yeah. That's, yeah, it exists. It exists, but mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing because there's actually some legislation that's 
um, that's designed to keep the guardrails on. And mm. that is that you have to be a native elder mm-hmm. or like to actually provide a NEPI to provide sweat lodge, mm. at least in Arizona or in, in a lot of places, which means you probably come from the Lakota tradition mm. so that there actually isn't an option in domestic situation. We find this with legality and a lot of things for women to hold that space. Now we were down in Tulum mm-hmm. and there was a, like a woman medicine keeper of mm-hmm. the Temescal mm-hmm. who, who is who literally just, and there was no regulations mm-hmm. on clothing. She just blew all of our minds. I mm-hmm. mean, at a certain point she had a fan and she was fanning around mm-hmm. and singing prayers and fanning around water. And then she just took her braids out of her hair and started poured the water on her hair mm-hmm. and started whipping her hair around. And everybody was just blasted with this beautiful, feminine, strong energy. And it was just a, a really cool experience that was available. Mm-hmm. And, and I think so it's it's about, you know, there are different ways to find it and things, but it's just, it's interesting when, when we make, and the guidelines do make sense because mm-hmm. obviously there's been some practitioners who weren't capable of serving the medicine that have mm-hmm. killed people mm-hmm. in a sweat lodge. So they're like, all right, well, we got to stop that. So I get how they make it, but then it, then it precludes someone from, you know, women from coming in and providing it in the way that Whitney describes, perhaps, because that's not in the Lakota tradition, which mm-hmm. is the only legal tradition, which is, and it's this very strange time that I think we have to evolve out of mm-hmm. where we understand who's capable of serving and then have the freedom to provide that, both with the plants or the frogs mm-hmm. or the toads or the heat mm-hmm. or the cold or whatever, whatever the, the tool, the breath, whatever it is that we're using, that we can really kind of open that open that up and allow healthy experiences to exist yeah. in all the intersection and interdimensions. hundred percent. This is another reason why I love Mexico so much and I spend so much time there and that's yeah. where I hold the majority of my retreats and work there and in South America. But um, in Mexico, you know, we have something called the moon dance and I can't actually go too deep into it, but it is a four-year commitment of um, um, an initiation that a lot of us women do. And you are trained in the Mayan Toltec way uh, to serve lodge, so, or to pour water, you know, and to, to hold the lodge. So there's a lot of women in Mexico that are coming out of these moon dances and then being able to go and and offer their particular medicine exactly in a yeah, great way. Yeah, my tattoo artist was, Mm-hmm. A, was a firekeeper because that's really yeah. the only place that men can hold mm-hmm. in the moon dance is they can actually tend the fire. Yeah. He tended the fire four years for his partner mm-hmm. and for the tradition and he actually carried a chinupa with him for when we did the, the tattoo ceremony and it was cool. He didn't say much either um, and I think that's part of the mm-hmm. part of the thing. You don't, you know, you don't talk about it but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if we, if we look a little bit deeper, there's probably experiences available that are far beyond what we've imagined. Like if we can imagine what it would be like, it might exist. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't exist, well, maybe we can make it. A hundred percent. That's the times we're living in right now. Our generation, I feel, is, is I'm so impressed yeah. <laughs> with what's <laughs> happening, you know, and how many really innovative minds and just really big hearts there are. People looking around and saying, okay, we're not quite there yet. There's, there's like more to do to live in the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible to quote Charles Eisenstein and so well nobody else seems to be doing it so I guess that's mine that's mine <laughs> to do you know and that's another piece of the kind of the basis of, of the work that I do is supporting people to find 
what is theirs to do? Because we all have different roles, just like our cells in our bodies all have different functions. You know, the eyeball cells do the eyeball thing and the liver cells do the liver thing and we need all the things. But kind of self-identifying what is mine to do, uh, that challenges a lot of people. And it's one of my favorite things to do is to support people to really get clear on why they came here. Because once you figure that out, holy moly, the whole game changes. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, the the other side of the coin of a lot of addiction. And that was the clinic that I worked at was an addiction clinic. And instead of focusing on the addiction itself as the problem, it was like, no, it's just, those are the maladaptive coping skills that because you don't, are not living a life full of passion and purpose that you're stoked on, that you want to be present for. When you're living that kind of life, the other things just fall away. (laughs) Today is all the sounds, all the things. Mm -hmm. So to like swerve a little bit on the topic, Mm -hmm. I want to go into sexuality and psychedelics. And so I think a lot of people have this idea that when they go down and do psychedelics, Mm. It will change absolutely everything about mm. them. So maybe they won't like the same partner. Maybe they won't like the same sex. And mm. maybe if they like to be submissive in sex, they won't they won't want that anymore. If they like to be dominant in sex, mm. they don't won't want to be won't want to do that anymore. Mm. Have you seen that? Does that have merit, or mm. have you seen kind of the intersection of sexuality and psychedelics to where they they completely change? I mean, I, that that would be I would. Think that would be a really rare situation. <laughs> that would be somebody who was like really far off from who they are. I think more than anything, it's it's just going. You know, these experiences just amplify. It amplifies the you-ness of you. You know, so if you have loved a certain thing your whole life, very rare that all of a sudden you're not going to want anything to do with that thing. But it is going to shift and evolve. So actually, interestingly enough, on this topic, um, a woman that I've been working with recently is really, I mean, she she's going through kind of a situation where the, this man who's been a lover of hers for three years, in her words, you know, they were having this kind of porn star sex for three years, and now she wants to be in more connection. She wants to eye gaze with him, you know, she wants to go slow, and she wants to try what that, what that feels like. It doesn't mean that she doesn't like the old sex that they were having or that that she will never have that again. It's just like, oh, I'm understanding that there's more. Mm. Something else is possible. And the desire for greater intimacy is a very common thing for all of us. We actually really crave greater intimacy. We just don't know how to have it. And so the medicines oftentimes peel back so many layers where all of a sudden, you know, you may come out of a journey like a fresh newborn little baby and all you want to do is go like, look at people eyeball to eyeball because you just <laughs> mm-hmm. realize like, wow, I've been so shy. And this is one another one of my stories. I mean, I was so shy when I was younger. Holding eye contact was impossible for me. I mean, I was basically mute and I never would look people in the eye. Mm-hmm. So after all of these journeys, it was like, oh my God, I was missing out this whole time on this entire universe that it is to just gaze into someone's eyes. And now people tell me all the time, like, you have the most amazing eye contact and your gaze is just so like, I feel you loving me through your eyes and like your desire to know me. And it's, it's, it's changed my life in that way. Um, but it, it did take a long time. So again, it's, it's usually rare that something that, you know, you were, you're just going to snap the fingers and be something hundred percent different, but that does happen too. And mm-hmm. awesome if it does, I think, you know, again, this is why I tell people when you're going to these journeys, 
we just don't know. You know, we just don't know. It could shift you by one degree. It could be like fucking night and day, you know, and that's part of the the trust, faith, and surrender. And it's also another part of why I really check in with people. Like, do you feel you're really ready for all of the spectrum of what could happen from engaging in this type of thing? You know, and sometimes people are actually not. They think they are, but then when they really get clear with themselves, they're like, no, actually, I'm not ready to release all Mm. the things that I thought that I maybe didn't want anymore. Like, I wouldn't know myself without them, and I'm not actually ready to engage in a life maybe not, not yet. Right. And that's always great. That's another thing I tell people is that a maybe is not a yes in the medicine world. Only a yes is a yes. And there's also no rush. You know, if you really understand that the soul is eternal, like there's no fucking rush really, truly like we are, we are in this amazingly pivotal time right now in humanity. I personally believe things are opening in ways I feel that they never have before on this planet. And so, yes, do I have a desire for us to like be ready for action and like ready to show up and have done our work? Yes. And at the same time, things are blooming in their own perfect way. And that is the element of the feminine that I bring to every single person I work with is like, don't rush yourself. Let yourself bloom like a flower. Let it unveil. Let it show you, you know, get curious. Don't try to force it. Um, that usually works very, and, very well. <laughs> and even kind of like outside of the medicine space mm-hmm. too, like do that in every, in your everyday life. Don't yeah. rush it. Like allow yourself to bloom like a flower. Exactly what you said. I think yeah. that's beautiful. Which is another thing that really correlates into the bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you don't have to rush, you know, so many of us who, for example, do have a lot of body shame or disconnection from our yonis, you know, a lot of women do not want to look at themselves down there. They don't think that they are attractive in that way. And the idea, for example, that your partner is going to go down on you is like, okay, but in the dark and do it fast. And you- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like maybe if I don't look, then. <laughs> but hey, what about the idea that um, you could allow a man to worship you? for as long as he wants to, or as long as you want him to, or as long as it takes, you know, Mm -hmm. I have girlfriends who I would consider very high priestesses and I don't use that word lightly, but I mean, they will just, it's like, you know, a man will six hours, you know, if that's what awesome, you know, this is a, this is a ceremony. This is a ritual. We're Mm going to, we're going to do this puja as we call it, as long as it takes. And so what an amazing, I feel like I would need some coaching for like head position, (laughs) For how to like get the fascia of the tongue, yeah. like get relaxed. And if we're pushing, we're pushing an hour down yeah. there. It's going to be different. You know? Doesn't gotta, necessarily have to be six hours straight, but you got to work your way up to that. Yeah. But do you think that like your idea of sexuality has changed over time? <laughs> of course. Like, are you more giving now than you have been before, or not necessarily? But I'm more giving for the right reasons. I think mm-hmm. I was giving because I was so performance driven that I wanted to be the best. So I was always given even when I was younger, but that given the desire to be giving was from a place of a desire to be validated, a desire to be the best, a desire to be wanted, a desire to be that way. So it wasn't really about the person I was giving to, it was about me. Mm-hmm. You know, So I think over time, the giving nature of my sexuality has a lot more to do with my partner than me, which is, and so really looking back it's like wow 
I mean, were you having sex or were you showing off and Mm -hmm. like doing all of these other things in the sexual container? And, you know, you have to forgive yourself because you do the best you can at the time with the knowledge that you have available. But, you know, undoubtedly that transforms a lot. And because I'm now in a place where I feel like I can love myself, even if I have, you know, what I would have used to consider a bad performance or I wasn't the best, you know, whereas before, if I wasn't the best and I wasn't happy with my performance, like I would take me days, weeks, months, years because you keep situation. playing it over in your head. Keep playing mm-hmm. it over and over in my head. And, and it would I would use it as a way to tell myself that I was a piece of shit, not worthy of love, not mm-hmm. a man, whatever. You know, I mean, those things would continue along. And that was part of my own journey to try and unwind those things. And you've witnessed firsthand mm-hmm. that journey as we've been going through this, you know, partnership that we've had. Um it's like you can start tugging at the knots. Like you had a knot in your sweatpants today. And yeah. you're just like, fuck it. It's a knot. It's there. My, my pants, pants are like this forever. My I'm pants never gonna, don't they're fit. They're never going like, to fit me right. I was like, no, no, no. We'll just work at it. You know, we'll just work at it and I'll mm-hmm. get it. And you're like, no, 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 fuck it. It's, it's unworkable. You're never going to get this knot out. And that's like me in my head. I was like, yeah, I know there's a knot, but I'll fuck it. I can't <laughs> even get It's too much. Like it's too, too much to handle. But with like, a little bit of patience and time and like just keep working just chill keep working mm-hmm. relax and then all of a sudden the knot unravels my pants fit again mm-hmm. your pants fit again i'm so excited <laughs> yeah. that knot has been in there for like a year and they just slide <laughs> down my butt every time i wear them yeah mm. um, do you feel like there was like a pivotal point that allowed you to have that awareness or like when did you decide okay i need to start looking at why i'm giving pleasure particularly I think there's, I think a lot of people love these aha moment stories where it's like one spot, like from this point Mm -hmm. forward, I just knew it. And occasionally that happens, but usually not. Because even if you have those moments, then you forget and you have to get Mm re-reminded and you forget and you got to get re-reminded and you forget and you got re-reminded. So I think it's been a gradual process of first comes a glimmer of awareness and then a forgetting Mm -hmm. and then a deeper glimmer of awareness, then a forgetting. But until I started actually engaging in my own self-love practice so that I would it was not a necessity for me to receive validation from another person yourself being the foremost of those other persons <laughs> until it was I was able to actually give myself love instead of trying to get that from you in whatever proof of love method that I required um, I wasn't able to actually make my pants fit you know like wasn't able to undo the knot and i think now finally and i think this is something that you've you know reflected back as well it's like things are different and it's not like (laughs) it's a slow it's a long ass slow process because i first became aware years ago but the knot's still there until the knot's undone Mm -hmm. you know and like now the knot's still undone but the human psyche isn't like pants the knot will continue to keep trying to tie itself, you know? So I'll continue to have to pour that self-love practice into myself so I can actually get to a place where we could have a night where we decided to be intimate and my dick could do absolutely nothing and I could still love myself Mm -hmm. that night and the next morning. Now, if that happened now, I mean, I'd have to breathe through it. You know, it'd be (laughs) a little bit of work, but I, I see the path. Like years ago, that would be a highly traumatic experience that would take me weeks, months, long time to recover from. 
you know and like now i could see myself actually gracefully moving through that whole process you know should that happen not that it's still easy like oh yeah i'm good no matter what like i love myself no matter what i'm not going to claim that but i i can see the arc of the practice and i feel like i've reached the tipping point to where like things will never quite be the same mm. that's so beautiful thank yeah. you for sharing that's an amazing that's an amazing story amazing trajectory and it also really reminds me of so much of the basis of the of the tantric work is is not to you're not trying to get anywhere you're not yeah. trying to get to an orgasm you're not trying to get anything you're actually just wanting to be in the giving and the receiving you're just wanting to be in that exchange and the building and the communion and i love the word worship so much because it's just this opportunity to worship hmm. the person you're with to yeah. really truly you know the difference for a woman i like that like, word too yeah <laughs> the difference for a woman both for the giving and the receiving i mean mm-hmm. how many times do women also feel like yeah i'm gonna give this guy the best blowjob he's ever had right, you exactly. know like you're like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Show my <laughs> that's right sit down you, know? yeah. you about to be worshipped <laughs> but, yeah exactly the difference I'm not gonna forget that blowjob <laughs> <laughs> but the difference to coming to him and really like like seeing him you know and like honoring his manhood for example like really being with him and like gosh you literally are one of the most gorgeous things i've ever seen you'd be talking straight to his penis in that way like really looking at it in that way and honoring it and loving it and wanting to be with it and to and to just pour this love onto another person and also be receiving at the same time is Mm -hmm. so beautiful again without the goal of like i'm gonna make him or her come this fast and this way and i'm gonna be the one who did it and this you know it's just just to be together in the act of exchange and of pleasure of respect and of honor is i mean that just changes the game yeah and i think that's something that i have really been on the journey of doing that too you know is is feeling more comfortable using my voice Mm -hmm. and speaking my truth about what i want in Mm -hmm. the bedroom what i don't want in the bedroom and also learning through Mm -hmm. practice like we think we know what we want but we don't really know until we do it and then we try it again and we take certain things mm-hmm. from from this area and we like that or we don't like that. Um, and so that's been a really cool process for me because I've always been very outspoken about myself and mm-hmm. sexuality and um, but now really getting into kind of the tantric world mm-hmm. and worshiping mm. my partner, you know, whoever that may be. And I'm taking Layla's course next year, Amazing. which is like a full, long, year-long deep dive into I that. So I'm going to have all kinds yes. of practices. And I think that's really cool for people too, is that just because you've been having sex one way for so long, doesn't mean you have to keep doing that. Even if you really like it, like try on different things. What it like, what is something that you haven't done that you can try? And it's not even just like smacking someone on the ass, but it's like, Let's sit there and like breathe together Mm -hmm. and like look into each other's eyes and like worship his cock Mm -hmm. and have him worship your pussy. Mm -hmm. And what what does that create in the bedroom and in in your life even? Oh, yeah. I mean, those are game changers. And the, I mean, I love that you're talking about Layla's course. And for example, the very beginning part of the course is you with you. This is what I was talking about with the practices. It's like the women start to work their practices on themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you start to connect with yourself in a different way. I mean, one thing I will share that I've been really surprised, I don't know, it's just happening recently. I'm noticing how many women are like really 
attached to these toys that are like, which I think that they definitely have a place. Do not get me wrong. I mean, I think that they all, everything has a place. Yes. But there's the (laughs) difference of like, well, what happened if you just had your own hands and some coconut oil? What is the connection, the intimacy, the intimacy that happens with you, with you when you are like caressing and touching and enjoying and opening every part of yourself? With just your hands. That's mm-hmm. actually a really powerful, I think, reclamation of your own sexuality as well. When we say that adage of like, take it into your own hands, right. uh, instead of having it to be like 12 different really mechanical things and different, you know, things that are just not human. It's it's hard to recreate that with another human, the things that we become very attached to through orgasms that we're having when we're, I, I would say, overly reliant on toys. So I think just simple things of coming back to the more natural, again, that's my, even when we're talking about psychedelics, I, as much as I see the benefit in so many of the synthetics, I just don't work with anything that doesn't grow straight from the earth or come straight from a beautiful little creature that is not harmed, you know, that wants to support us. Um, And so same thing of this very natural understanding of coming back to the basics of just what God gave us. Yeah, I am excited mm-hmm. about exploring my own sexuality and pleasure just solely with my hands. Mm. I mean, I have always have for a very long time, mm. but now I've, I feel like I've kind of blended the two worlds a little bit. So when I do have, when I do want to masturbate and mm. I have time and it's not just like, okay, wake up, masturbate, mm. have coffee, go, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's, it's like giving myself time to like not come as fast as I possibly can mm-hmm. just to get it over with. It's like if and if I do use a vibrator or something, it's like what are the areas of my, you know, vulva and clit and vagina that I really like? Oh, that feels good. But what mm-hmm. if I do that over here and just really exploring the whole mm-hmm. area and giving myself like 10, 20, 30 minutes mm-hmm. before reaching orgasm. Yeah. To explore that. To explore. And I love that word too, because, you know, we also, it's like, we have all these different textures and, you know, there's all kinds of things that if we haven't really given ourselves the time and attention, we may not know like what a playground, you know, there is down oh my there God, in such, such a, a sweet way. You got slides, and you got swings, <laughs> you got you know, <laughs> bouncy floor over there. You, all, of yeah, all the things. Yeah. And also I will share that I, I really would love to see women coming back to more using the natural wands as well. Like, the wands or the crystal wands or, you know, even if, it, if you do need to use, not need to or want to use something, yeah, metal even, but that is constructive a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. They have things that are very powerful for working the juice spot and the cervix and really getting those feminine waters flowing. Um, but focusing just to, to make sure we're also, we're not just focused on the plastic and the electronics, right. which I'm not dogging them. I'm just offering a different, you know, to remember the, the power of crystal wands and the power of more natural um, elemented things. You know, why they, choose? Yeah. Just use everything. Yeah, use it all. You know, Monday vibrators, <laughs> Tuesday your hand, Wednesday, you know, the, yeah. the crystal wands. Yeah, exactly. See what, you, see what you like. I know what you're about to say. I bet. Well, what is it? Why, why even bother? Why even bother me saying it? <laughs> I bet you're going to talk about how you really prefer the physical hmm. connection with like hands and mouth as opposed to using toys. I do. That is exactly what I was going to say. So so that's good. I feel like it, I feel like like for me, especially, so when I was, when I was more outcome driven, you know, and where it was like, I'm counting the number of orgasms and then I'm putting that up 
on like my own trophy wall on my own <laughs> refrigerator. Yeah, it's like my scoreboard, right? You know, as a basketball player, like what's the score? Oh, three, four, five. Okay, good. We're good. Then like whatever toy was, whatever toy could facilitate mm. that, like bring it on mm. because it's about the outcome. Mm. But if I'm using some thing that's like a, especially like a, like you said, like an electronic piece of thing that's buzzing something mm-hmm. in some way, I lose contact Mm -hmm. i lose the i lose it like severs the connection that i have with my partner you know i mean i can i can observe Mm -hmm. and i can appreciate but like the physical somatic experience of it is different Mm -hmm. you know and i and i don't think and this is again a recent a recent thing where it's like oh like as i get more in touch with this process which is definitely more sensual and tantric then it's now and it's less outcome driven it's Mm -hmm. like oh, it is better to just touch and use our hands. I mean, I think probably since since engaging in that self-love practice, I don't know if we've used a single toy, really. Other Like we used to use toys a lot in the bedroom, a variety of different sorts, mm-hmm. you know, but like that, I think both of us are blossoming in our own ways. Wait, and- you're telling people that we're hooking up? <laughs> Who would have guessed? The cat's out of the bag, everyone. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, we're just spending the week in LA in the house to bed together. (laughs) Even though we've had sex for eight years, we just decided that now is the time we're going to not. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's, uh, it's just interesting. And I think giving the freedom for things to evolve, you know, and that's, I guess, the real, the thing is we grow as individuals, you know, we should evolve in certain ways. And it doesn't mean that it's a permanent change. It just means this is the season. This is the season. And then once you master that season, once you know the rules so well, you can break them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, that's, I think the place where we're going, where we're just bringing things back into different explorations. And it's not like anything's bad or good. It's just the seasons change. Seasons change. Maybe Mm -hmm. next season we're going to go back to sweet vibration. Maybe. Hey, hey, there we go. Maybe I'm going to be like, like from Running Man, I'm going to be like Mr. Electro and I'm just going to be fucking, what was that guy's name? The guy who sings and he's in the car and he's like full light. Every hand is a different toy. (laughs) Dynamo. Yeah, I'm going to be like Dynamo. Just like fucking lit up and vibrating from all things. Edward fucking dildo hands. Just wow. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. I'll call him Sweet Vibes right now. Right. Send you Edward Fucking Dildo hands. Edward Dildo hands. <laughs> this guy right here. Is that a new product that was just created right yeah. now? <laughs> yes. You heard yes. it here first, folks. <laughs> you too. Power could be Edward Dildo hands. <laughs> And you could get like a crown that was like hooked into some kind of brainwave pattern that knew when you were having an orgasm and then it would just like light up. It'd start to go and Edward Dildo hands just like, and then the crown starts to light and then voices come out and it's time to sing the music. I know, but this is for the whole spectacle here. Yeah, it's like we're talking, we're talking spectacle here. If I'm fucking Edward Dildo hands (laughs) with with dynamo lights across my whole chest, you know, like we got to, we got to enhance this thing. It's got to be like the heart math of sex like like a tree the illumina tree and then maybe the bed is like a big vibrating plate or something yeah the whole thing side saddle (laughs) (laughs) you can side saddle the bed we were you you were just doing a podcast the other day with a great friend makad and 
they were talking about something. Anyways, I decided that side saddle was where you straddle the side of, I was put on the spot. <laughs> you straddle the side of the bed and then you're being fucked from behind and your clit is rubbing up against the side of the bed. Side saddle. So then you add like a vibrating bed and Edward dildo hands and you got yourself a regular what? ass Wednesday night. <laughs> Edward dildo hands might not be a regular ass on yeah. that Wednesday. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I just love witnessing the the digression. I'm just <laughs> it started off super fucking, but that's but it. That's, all all it's, is God. It's all God, and that's the thing. You, that's what's God. so exciting about this playground of a world that we live in is that you can experience all of it. You know, you can fully feel your divine like godness of who you are and you can side straddle the vibrating bed with your dildos on your fingers you know and like combining mm-hmm. the two worlds of that is so oh yeah cool oh yeah well i mean i think that's why we came here mm-hmm. we really i i kind of i joke not joke often like it was a really big journey for us to incarnate you know i, I see the souls kind of like all right here we go you know? <laughs> I see the parents. Here we go. I've been working out. I'm like ready to dive into this incarnation. It was a big journey. You know, we came here to feel. We really, I believe we came to be in these physical bodies, to utilize them, to be in that full pet playground of all the smells and the touch and the taste and all the different sensations and all the different emotions and all the different experiences. It's like, okay, we really came here to play in the 3D world. Like, let's fucking play. That's I fucking play. That's mm-hmm. fucking play. Wow. I think that's that's exactly how we should, you know, close this mm. podcast out because that's what it's all about. And that's I feel like we feel mm. that so much in our lives and try to inspire others to do the same. Mm. How can people did you say something? You want to say something? Oh no, I was just gonna say also I have to get right on Amazon to start shopping for my Edward Dildo hands costume. <laughs> so we have to go. I mean, I gotta get on there quickly. We only <laughs> have a small window I before go dinner. To Etsy. Yeah, we gotta, I gotta, we gotta got get out of here. I gotta find to my do. dynamo outfit. I gotta find my dildo hands. There's a lot we gotta do here. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. We gotta go, guys. Everyone, goodbye. I'm just kidding. Um, where can people find you? Tell us your story. What are you excited about coming up? And if people are interested in working with you, I don't know if that's still a possibility or mm. Awesome. Yeah. On my Instagram is Sacred Earth Warriors. My full name, Maria Teresa Chavez. I do hold retreats all over the world. Definitely have some really amazing stuff coming up in Mexico. Um, and so if you just follow me on social media, you can get the the updates. We're doing a lot of women's retreats. We have a platform called Shakti Rising Radiance Retreats. And it's a lot of this. It's a lot of coming together to be able to pray together, to dance together, to cry together, to breathe together, to orgasm together. If that's, if that's that particular offering, you know, it's not all of them are more the, the the level three, but there's just a lot of different different options for women to come together and just like really learn the true sisterhood and to be witnessed by their sisters and move through all of their limiting beliefs mm. and just dive into back into life in a whole new way. Um, so that's always something that's very exciting for me. Um, I will share. I wanted to the last teeny tiny piece I wanted to to speak to was to really just encourage the women out there to always honor their bodies like the temples they are. And that's something that through this path, you know, something I've witnessed time and time again is how much the medicines remind us that our bodies are literal temples. You know, I lived in Bali for a while and there's this 
way of entering a temple where you bring your offerings, you know, you bring your flowers and your incense and sometimes little candies and little you know, rice cakes and things and every single stop along the way to get to the actual water temple is there's all these different altars and you need to stop and make your offerings and ask for permission. And it's such a beautiful symbol of kind of that old courtship as well of having the men or whoever, whoever you're, the person is that you're in this kind of courtship with, like that level of of care of bringing the flowers mm-hmm. and asking permission and honoring and and really holding ourselves in that way i think is is a big game changer for a lot of women and again that doesn't negate like having all the awesome kinky sex you want to have <laughs> it's just to really hold yourself like a temple and um the importance of going back to the natural ways of birthing is one piece just to 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 finish and touch on is one of the reasons the women were the original shamans is because giving birth is the original shamanic experience. And way, you know, before or in areas where there was no plant medicine traditions, every woman was going through the process of giving birth. And what it, not every woman, obviously the women that choose this, but um, the understanding of the divinity that you are in this form that can create a life and that you're communing with that life for so long. And then you have to give over your body. I mean, it's the ultimate surrender when you're giving birth of, you don't know if you're going to come out on the other side of it. And your body is going through all of these such powerful bone moving, you know, um, contortions, openings for this child to come out. And then you're experiencing a life that is your body, your flesh and blood, your heart walking outside in the world around you. And then all of the trust and surrender that it takes to, to trust the path, that soul's path, and then steward their growth and all of these things. I mean, this is just such the innate part of the feminine, whether you decide to have physical children or not, we have that, that capacity. And so there is a really innate, powerful divinity to being in a female form. So just to, to really honor that. Ooh, so I'm to close with that. I just feel so like... Mm. I'm vibrating inside mm. because that's just like so good and yummy and, yeah. and like loving. And I, mm. I wish we could dive into that topic mm. too of our children and birth and all that. So we'll have to have you back on again. Yes, let's do that when, one. Um, my co-host, Wednesday Martin, mm-hmm. comes back and we don't have this big old stud <laughs> <laughs> sitting next to us. <laughs> Edward Penis Hands out. <laughs> Edward Penis Hands is out. I'm out. I'm out, everybody. See ya. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, well, thank, thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for yeah, having me. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been such an honor to, you know, know you in these past mm. years and uh, and learn from you. And mm. you know, we haven't gotten to drop in and into the medicine space together, but I know it's in our future. So mm-hmm. I look forward to that as well for me. Me too. Yeah. I love you guys. Thank love you. you. Love you too. <laughs> such a fun episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. And if you did. Please go on to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Um, It really helps the success of the podcast and spreading this message. Much love, guys.